The following episode may contain inappropriate material. Listener discretion is advised. everybody welcome to matt talk i've got some sad news this is john's last appearance i'm shipping him off to military school he will no longer be a part of the uh matt lock matt talk community he's he's just gonna learn man he's got to learn and i mean to be fair john you look like you're the same age as the guy <laughs> in the episode that's being shipped off to military school like when they referenced him being in high school, I was like, what? Like even <laughs> 90210 wasn't that bad. No. Um like this man, guy oh, looked man. like he was on social security. Like <laughs> he did not look like he was in high school whatsoever. No, no, no. Um I, I think that ladies and gentlemen, we're letting the cat out of the bag super early, but I think that that's gonna be a theme that we're gonna discuss about uh this episode of Matlock. Jeez, um I don't even know where else to begin, but let, let's start off. Jason, how are things with you, by the way? I'm good, man. I mean, after booking you in military school, I yeah, have just okay. been been hanging out. We we hung out at Justin's yesterday. If you guys don't know, Justin is a producer on the Three Geeks podcast, and uh, he made us brisket, and by brisket, I mean hamburgers, and we had a good time. It was a lot of fun. Look, don't make the man that does your shorts angry, so let's just clarify. I will there make was a- angry. Not for that. There was a snafu with the uh, with the brisket, but we had some tasty burgers, though. I will say that. Yeah, they were pretty good. But uh, hey, guys, we learned what backgammon was last time, and um, that mousetrap is nothing like tennis. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in <laughs> last week. It was a ride. It was a ride. It was late. I had just come off a fourteen hour shift, so we were silly. It's probably gonna be silly again today because I need to have all this energy because I'm recording three shows back to back to back. You are being a trooper today, man. I am, man. And uh, this episode was, we'll find out. Dun, dun, dun. Dude, Pluto TV has season four all out of order. Uh, that's what I hear. Everybody's been talking about it uh, in the forums that, uh, like, yeah, Pluto's jacked all up. This episode, I believe, was six on Pluto TV. Uh, no, it's, it's I and guess, hunt- technically number two. The hunting party was episodes three and four. Well, anyways, shall we go ahead and jump into it, man? Let's do it. All right, then it's time for our opening statements. This is the part of the podcast where John tells us everybody that started in the episode. Oh, nice. You're expanding that gimmick. Okay, I like it. All right. Well, uh, The Good Boy is the episode that we are taking a look at, and its original air date was September 26, 1989. Jason, what were you doing September 26, 1989? September 26, 1989. I was probably starting whatever grade seven-year-olds go to. Oh, okay. So you would be starting, I think, fourth grade? Maybe seven-year-olds in fourth grade? Maybe. I thought preschool was like five. Um, Sure. What do I know? I was not an overachiever. There's a lot of things that were going on with me. It was uh it was it was in a unique time because I would have been 89. I would have been 
do the math real quick. I would have been actually six because December hadn't come yet that year. Yeah, I I would have been fourteen and in middle school and completely awkward and clueless what to do in life in general. All right, well, anyways, enough about us. Let's talk about some guests. Let's start off with the man that we've already kind of thrown under the bus, an actor by the name of Brian Bloom. He will be starring as Tony Morgan. Jason, this guy has an amazing career, like 220-some-odd credits. Most of them, I'd say about 75% of them, voiceovers for either animated series or a video game. Such video games as the Star Wars franchise, Green Lantern, Mass Effect, uh, Marvel Heroes, Spider-Man, uh, basically, you name it, he's probably voiced it. He was also known as Zach Phillips on Melrose Place, Dusty Donovan in As the World Turns, and he was Pike in the 2010 movie, The A-Team. So I know I said video games. I said animated series. I know you're busy looking up all of his credits, but it's impressive, is it not? It is. I'm trying to find out how old he would have been in 1989. That's what I'm looking up. He would have been, he was 19. Wow, he was 19. So he was right around the right age. He just looks older, I guess, for his age. Man, if, if you had put me on the spot, I would have given him at least a decade. I would have said he was like 28, 27, 28, 29. Man, oh man. Well, you know what? I, I had a friend in, in college that looked older than he was. I mean. Oh, yeah, we all had that friend. Yeah. So, I mean, Brian Bloom, you're just looking a little older than we anticipated, but uh, we'll talk more about uh, Brian Bloom, a.k.a. Tony Morgan, in a few moments. Our next guest star, Jennifer Bassey, who played the role of Evie Malone. You may also know her as her role as Marion Colby on All My Children, Quinn Danvers on General Hospital, Nancy Dawson on your favorite medical show, Grey's Anatomy, Jane's aunt in 27 Dresses, and she was also Ruth in Revenge of the Nerds 3, The Next Generation. Ruth? Who is Ruth? I don't remember that character. I know you love the nerd films, even though you have admitted they don't necessarily hold up to today's standards. Well, the first one, for sure. The second okay. one is is still fine, I think. Okay. And then, uh, you know, three and four are what they are. They're made for TV movies. Mm. Is which one had Ten McGinley in it that we mentioned last week? Uh, one, three, and four. One, three, and four. Okay. Uh, why was he in two? Uh, they went to paradise, but I don't know like the behind the scenes reason. Oh, yeah, okay. But that's how they wrote him out of the script, the character out of the script. Kind of, but they brought Ogre back, so I, I don't know. Okay. All right, let's move on to our next individual, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a, a <laughs> an actor by the name of John Calvin. For a moment there, I thought we were going to talk about the Reformation. And, okay, uh, let's hold on a second. This dude looks like William Zapka so much in this episode. Like, I had to Google. What, what dude? Wait a minute. You use pronouns, pal. And uh, we don't know what dude are you talking oh, about. John Calvin. the one. Oh, okay. John Calvin. Okay, okay. He played Cal. He looked like William Zapka does now. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know what? You, you used his name. If you had said Johnny, I would have been, oh, yeah, okay. But, all right, yeah, no, no, no. You're absolutely correct on that. He does look like him. You may also know him as Arthur Downey on Days of Our Lives. Rick Paris in uh, the TV version of Alien Nation. And actually, we've seen him before because he played Mayor Borelli in season three. Uh, this was a two-parter where, if you recall, Jason, 
there was the one like environmentalist uh, guy who was, you know, against what uh, mayor and the city government was doing. And when Borelli ends up dead, he's looked at as the um, as a suspect and Ben gets schnookered into uh, helping him. Uh, so that was from season three. But he had a very lengthy run as Reverend Ten Boom on the Tales of the Golden Monkey. So John Calvin, we've seen before in Matlock Universe, and we're going to see him one more time in this He episode. was also in Critters and apparently just quit acting in 1995. Oh, well, amen. I'd love to see if there was a reason, but it doesn't appear to be a reason. Our final guest star is Leslie Bevis, I believe is how it's pronounced. She will be playing the role of Bonnie Ritter. You may know her as Commander at Zircon from Spaceballs. Ruth Perkins on The Young and the Restless, uh, Cassandra in Alienation, and Jason, we have ourselves a hat trick! Whoop, 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 whoop. As she's had three guest spots on Murder, She Wrote, and she played Rosa in a Perry Mason TV movie. So congratulations, Leslie. You have a hat trick here on Matt Talk. And for bonus points, she was in Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> yes. She actually had a lot of, of one-off roles. Uh, I think, what, she has almost 100 or if not over 100 um, credits to her name? Yeah, she was in Spaceballs. Uh, which we covered. Uh, who's the Boss? V. Mm-hmm. After Mash. After Mash was the, uh, the kind of the spinoff show, right? The second. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. It took place after Mash. All right. With that being said, I, I got that. I thank you. I picked that up. You set that down. I picked that up. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go ahead, ladies and gentlemen, and get to it. Jason, you know, it's that time where I got to ask you a question. And that question is, are you ready to give an opinion? Your opinion and only your opinion. So help you. I do. Then it's time to. That's mine. That's mine. T-E-S-T. IFY test off Yes, folks, John just learned how to spell that this week for this episode. <laughs> and also, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't clue Jason into that I was doing that, so it came off very awkwardly. But anyways, <laughs> all right, here's the plot of the episode. Bonnie Ritter has a son named Tony, and Tony hates his stepfather. So when the stepfather ends up dead, Bonnie is wrongfully accused of his murder and Matlock must find out truly who did it. So our opening scene, Jason, is a very ritzy party going on. Cal was the party host, and um, he stops by and says hello to his wife as his wife was talking to Evie. Uh, and then he kind of departs to go talk to some other folks, and Tony enters the scene to light a cigarette and to compliment his mother. You know uh, something I'm really digging about this episode, and I think the last episode was the same way, how there was... There's a good 15 minutes of this episode before Matlock and Michelle even join, mm-hmm. like setting up the plot, the motives and so forth. And I'm kind of digging that. There is in the kitchen an awkward interaction between Tony and Cal. Uh, they argue about the relationship with Bonnie or or mom as um, as the case for Tony. And I, I put this down. Bonnie looks to not be in the same like age range as Tony, like. She seems like the age of her having Tony, like it just doesn't add up. The math doesn't work. Like I was like, was she what, 14 when she had Tony? Because this is really like a bad casting job. I mean, we talked about it. We 
we ragged on um, Tony a little bit about how he doesn't look his age, and this just further compounds that issue. What do you say, Jason? I didn't think anything of it, to be completely honest. Mm, well, I, I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of continue to comment on this because at certain points, I felt a little bit creeped out by the interaction between Tony and his mom. Like I, I thought it was gonna turn into a little bit of a a Cinemax formula, if you know what I'm saying. Man, John. That's just me. <laughs> I can see it. There was a one scene particularly that I can Yeah, see. yeah, yeah. And I think that's the same scene I'm going to reference. But anyways, uh, Cal flashes a cigarette lighter. And then uh, Tony's like, Mom, I'll dance with you. And then Cal's like, I think it's our song, blah, blah. So the next morning, Cal and Bonnie are arguing about sending – Tony to military school. Now, I really was kind of taken aback because I felt like Bonnie's wardrobe was super risque. Like she got out of that out of that bed, and I'm like, whoa, we almost uh, we almost had a Sharon Stone little incident there. It's like cross those legs, honey. I mean, I really was taken aback by that because I was like, that's there's there's not much there to that outfit, man. And we're not yeah. used to seeing that here on Matt Talk or Matlock. Yeah, no, not really. Anyways, uh, Tony overhears their argument and, uh, you know, just we're setting the stage for for the for the crime. So later, the next scene, Tony enters the kitchen and he talks to Bonnie and he's like, look, I know I didn't want to go to family counseling, but maybe maybe we should go. And so then he takes off to the country club for his daily swim, which he takes. And then uh, we see a scene where Cal is working in his wood shop. He's making a table. Bonnie stops by and lets Cal know that Tony is ready to go to counseling. But then this turns into yet another argument. Like, I guess I understand Tony does not get along with Cal. But Jason, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It seems like this was an unnecessary argument. Like, he said he wants to go, truly wants to go to family counseling. Like, I don't understand why Cal couldn't just try it once and see what happened. Maybe it was too many straws. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Well, the security guard interrupts this argument and lets um, Cal know that he is leaving. And then we cut to a scene where Tony's getting his Chrysler LeBaron from the valet. And on the clock in his car, it says it's 5, 12 p.m. So Cal is working at his woodshop. He hears the answering machine going off. So he goes, he answers it. And then after he finishes the phone call, Tony stops by. Yes, uh, and what's fascinating and... I don't even know if you noticed. I'm trying to find an image. That's what I've been doing, and I can't. But I've never seen a shirt match chest hair before. Like this dude, chest <laughs> hair hanging out, and the the design on the shirt and the like curls in his chest hair, it all matched. Like I've never seen anything like that before, ever. Oh, that's hilarious. Because you're right. There's a lot of chest hair. From, but I'm saying, uh, man, it matched. It was the same design as on the shirt. It blew my mind. It blew my mind. And of course, that's the thing I picked out about this entire episode is the fact that they they coordinated the shirt to match because dude had his like, chest hanging out. He did. And he had one. He had a sweater of... on. He had a sweater on under his shirt. That's, that's what I'm going to say. OK, but the question is this, though. Uh, did you appreciate his pseudo mullet? Because he had he had kind of the start of a mullet, not a full blown one, but he had he had the start of one. Yeah, my mullets are coming back, apparently. Oh, they've been back for a while, man. I got a buddy that's got one. And he did it to be, you know, hip and cool and somewhat ironic. 
Nice. Yeah. So it's revealed that Tony has been stealing stuff and he let the housekeeper uh, surely take the blame. And then he pawned items. And right here I wrote, I don't think a school-aged child can pawn stuff. Uh, depends, man. Well, what's the age of, 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 I guess you could say, what's the age in which you can pawn stuff? What, is it 18 or 21? Oh, you're asking the wrong question. It's how old could you pawn stuff in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. And we brought up the fact that dude looks like he's 30. True. Okay. Oh, using my own theories against me, Jason. That hurts. Oh. It says it's up to the, it depends on the specific state and the item, but it's usually 18. Usually. 18. Okay. That's now. That's so, now. Yeah. I mean, hey, everybody smoked indoors, as we've seen several times, between Cal lighting up in his wood shop, which, by the way, that's not safe. You have all kind of flammable materials on the other side of the door. I don't think you should be smoking in the particular factory. Why not? Live dangerously? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, my grandfather used to smoke while he was pumping gas. Oh. <laughs> you know that whole thing with the cigarettes hanging out of the mouth and, well, you know, back in my day, I was smoking while I was m making gasoline. I'm going to tell you something, uh... And I sit here smoking. You know what that Ronald Reagan wants to do? He wants to tax more cigarettes. And I tell you right now, that ain't sitting well with me. I mean, I I smoke three packs a day. How how the hell am I gonna keep up with my with my smokes if Ronald Reagan puts another you know another fifteen cents, another fifteen cents, that's that's pushing those up to about a buck seventy five for a for a for a pack, you know? Outrageous. I'm about to humble brag and say that um as of yesterday, I was smoke free for seven years. Bravo, bravo. We'll give you a round of applause. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I only quit because my daughter asked me to. Otherwise, I'd still be a smoker. I still smoke in my dreams. That's okay. You're allowed to smoke in your dreams. Uh, I fight Cobra in my dreams. So I fought in Cobra too. Really? Yeah. That's great. I fought in Godzilla and King Kong and Michael Myers and Jason. Yeah, I have some fun adventures in my dreams. <laughs> okay i'm glad that we share that in common we both fought cobra dun, 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 dun. anyways <laughs> i don't even know where we are oh okay in my notes here we go so tony hits cow with a table leg and sets the building on fire then he changes back uh or excuse me changes the clocks to cover his tracks now i will say this and i'm i'm revealing a little bit in my analysis I like that we kind of saw the murder from start to finish, and then we're piecing together the case. I like that. That was something different. I don't think we've seen that in a while. So Yeah, me too. Me too. So uh, Bob Brooks shows up at the house, and he has to tell Bonnie that Cal is dead. So uh, Bonnie then relays that information to Tony, and uh, Bob wants Bonnie to come down to the police station to, to chat. And I wrote down, this is a very creepy hug between mom and son. Again, this is why I'm saying this is could have spiraled into a, a, an After Dark Cinemax uh, movie. So Bonnie gets Ben Matlock to defend her. And, uh, you know, Ben breaks the news that, hey, look, you might be the prime suspect here. And so the clocks were stopped at 515. And Bonnie was there when the fire started. So she is arrested. Uh, Michelle and Ben visit Cal's shop. Uh, Bob Brooks shows up. And he says, hey, the answering machine 
uh, had a message on it, and it was timestamped at 525. So Ben says, maybe somebody tampered with the clocks. And here, which was a giant, giant looky-looky clue, is that there is some substance on everyone's car. All right, and I wrote down, this, is a, this has got to be a hint. Mm-hmm. So Bonnie meets with Ben and Michelle, and Bonnie has really no alibi. Um, <laughs> she claims she was just driving around after the argument. Evie shows up with lemonade and reveals that Cal fired the maid. And then enter Tony, and Tony convinces Ben and Michelle to leave. I, at this point, totally expected Tony to hit on Michelle, which does not happen through the entire episode, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, but I anticipated it was going to happen somewhere. I figured that was kind of... They did a lot of stuff in this episode that really surprised me. Yeah. That they didn't do. I mean, especially, let's talk about it real quick. Towards the end of this episode, that green outfit that Michelle Thomas is wearing, wow, stunning. Absolutely stunning. So Ben goes to interview Shirley, the housekeeper. And uh, so then we cut to a scene where Ben interviews Tony as he finds Tony rifling through some pages in Cal's office. And Tony claims that Cal figured out that Shirley was stealing, so... That's why he fired her. And uh, Tony's alibi is that he left the club a little bit after 5 p.m. And as Ben is leaving, he points out that there's that substance on Tony's Chrysler LeBaron. So we cut to the police headquarters where Ben and Bonnie are going over the evidence and there's no lighter. Now, we've seen this lighter already in the possession of Cal. We've mm-hmm. seen that, indeed, it was swiped by Tony when he set the uh, the uh, factory on fire, or the wood shop, excuse me, on fire. And uh, so we know that that's going to be a crucial piece of evidence. I mean, just much like the substance all over the cars. This episode, this episode, I I, I love the investigation, and I, I love that we're, like, really breaking down this investigation. Yeah, absolutely. We go to a scene at the country club, and Michelle Thomas rolls in, driving. A convertible BMW. Clearly, Ben must pay good money. Or Michelle Thomas has a great OnlyFans. One of the two. Yeah, can you imagine OnlyFans in the 80s? I don't even know how that would work. I guess that was the 1-800 numbers that they used to have for everybody. (laughs) I made myself laugh on that joke, and that was aimed at making you laugh. So, anyways. I'm just saying, like, OnlyFans, yeah, it was the 1-800 numbers or the 1-900 numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. The 900 numbers that you would see. Like, for me, you would see them in the back of, like, these kind of independent pro wrestling magazines on the newsstand. Like, yeah, like, they were cheesy ones that you knew. They weren't They weren't some of the more, how do I want to say it? They weren't the prestigious wrestling magazines, like the after bags, you know, those, those you believe were real journalism. And I know I'm using that term loosely, folks. But, uh, yeah, some of those other ones, you know, like Wrestling USA, you never knew. There was going to be some sketchy stuff in the back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So we go to the courthouse where Bob Brooks, the fire chief, the security guard, they're all on the stand answering questions. And the judge says, hey, time out, time to go home. It's 5 o'clock. Like Fred Flintstone, they they pull the tail on the, uh, on the toucan and it, woo, and it's time to go home. And so Ben asked uh, Michelle to take Bonnie home because Bonnie's Bonnie's kind of nervous. She's anxious, you know. Yep. And Ben reassures her, hey, everything's going to be fine. And he wants to chat with Tony. Now, Tony is worried about his mom and the case. He thinks that, you know, there ain't much, you know, going on with it. And he's worried about his mom. And, and Ben kind of uh, lays it on thick about the case. 
And here we go. Here's here's the majesty of Ben Matlock. Ben tells Tony that, you know, hey, man, even, even if we get an acquittal, don't worry. Bob Brooks is going to find out who did this to your stepfather. Mm-hmm. All right. Ben, he reviews Tony's alibi. And all the while, he's letting he's letting Tony go. And they go, oh, wait, 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 Tony, one more thing. So it's Mark of Genius. Yeah, Tony, I know um, it's you, buddy. I know it's you. Yeah, at this point, I'm like, he knows you did it, man. He he talks about with Tony uh, the fire starting later and that the clocks were messed up and, and whatnot. So uh, the security guard, one of the things that he mentions is this idea that he knew that um, Cal wanted to send Tony to military school. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Ben found some information about them in uh cal's office and then i wrote down tony is a high school senior the hell you say (laughs) well we've learned that he was not too far off from there i guess not man anyways uh so tony in the next scene is at a hardware store and he gets something I i didn't know what it was i knew from the shape of the can because you know i've done some painting i know that lacquer thinner and paint thinner and all kinds of mineral spirits and whatnot. Uh, I know I just said all these things, and Jason, you're like, what? Anyways, I know all those things come in those shapes of cans. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so Michelle and Ben, they drive out to the house and they catch Tony digging in the yard. Now, I wrote this down as a pet peeve of mine. Okay. As I said, I own a home. I'm kind of handy, not super handy, but not, not an idiot either. But When I'm like mowing the yard or trimming the shrubs or anything along those lines, right? Mm -hmm. I I usually wear like old, old basketball shorts. You know, they got rips in them and whatnot. And like a, probably an old ratty pro wrestling t-shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I look like a bum. Let's just be honest. I look like a bum. I always get annoyed when people are like out doing stuff. Like I'm going to mow the yard in my dress slacks and my, and my polo shirt. What the hell? Put on some crappy clothes and do your work. Right. And here's old Tony, tie halfway down, shirt unbuttoned some more to see that lustrous uh, chest hair. And he's trying to bury Bonnie's sweater. Tony claims he's trying to help his mom out. Tony's excuse is the worst we've ever seen on Matlock as far as I'm concerned. I don't know about you, but I was like, oh, my God, he can't come up with anything better. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I'm trying to help my mom by burying evidence. How does that even like, again, even though it's going to be said later, I'm like, why don't you just burn it? Why, why burn it? Right. Well, we're going to find that out here in a few. I I wrote down too, in this instance, Ben and Michelle are lucky. He just didn't hit them with the shovel and KO them. Yeah. Ben is lucky in a lot of this episode that he didn't do that. Yeah, because he turns his back. Both of them turn their back to him, and he has a shovel in hand. He could have easily whack, and that would have been the end of this episode. Yeah. And maybe the series. (laughs) (laughs) So Michelle and Ben are in Cal's office, and again, Ben finds a slip of paper, and he finds another one, and they both look at each other. So we know Ben is close to solving the case. So we go to the courtroom. And right before Ben starts his cross-examination of Tony, he leans over and says to Bonnie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have to do this. But doesn't, why wouldn't he tell her ahead of time? I guess. I don't know. So she doesn't say, you know, it's my boy. I'll just plead guilty. 
Plus, like he's never apologized to any other uh, individual that he's, you know, he's represented that he has to do like the hard, you know, the hard thing to do. Yeah. So Ben points out that the street has been resurfaced where the wood shop was and that tar, that's the mystery substance, got all over Bob's car, Ben's car and Tony's car. And that there's evidence that the valet washed Tony's car, the Chrysler of the Baron. And then Tony, for the next couple of days, was driving his dad's Porsche. I have no idea kind of where this was going because Ben brings up how money is important to Tony and that he tipped the valet five bucks, which was a big deal, apparently, in 1989. And like he starts talking about the money. And here's where I got very confused. I didn't understand, A, why Tony needed money, because it seemed like if he is indeed still going to high school, then wouldn't mom and dad just give him the money? Like, because they seem to be very wealthy. There was no conversation of Tony being kind of responsible financially. It was all more along the lines of he's got to go to military school because he's a pain in the butt. I, I just was very confused by this. Yeah, I, I get that. And in 1989, four, or I'm sorry, 335 was the minimum wage. So, that's almost two hours of your life, $5, for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, the relationship between all three of them is brought up by Ben. Again, Tony says we get along. The military school plan was brought up. Um, Shirley's thievery. And they talk about that the lighter was pawned by Tony. And he also framed Shirley. And uh, Shirley is ready to testify about the many arguments she overheard. And that the theory is that Tony is jealous of Cal and mom's relationship. I loved this next scene. Your mm -hmm. Honor, I would like to speculate for a little bit. Oh, God, he does it all the time. He spins yarns all the time in the courtroom. Why say no? Just let him do it. I loved how the DA got super upset about that. Do you have proof? And he's I like, got proof Whoa. right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like how he snapped back at her. Yeah, it was a great scene. Uh, so Ben reveals um, everything Tony did to Cal, including taking the lighter, meaning this, that what we've already seen, they rehash as this is exactly what happened. And only the killer knows that paint stripper was used in the fire. And then I wrote down, I guess it's time to kind of to frame his mother, because that was the deal with the, the, the sweater was supposedly it had some type of the chemical on it because she had been there earlier in the day. But that was my whole thing is, is if Tony is so close to his mom, in fact, maybe weirdly close, why would he want to frame her? Yeah, that seemed weird, but, you know, it keeps him from going to prison. Or military school. Yeah. She chose Cal, too. That could be another reason. Sure. Okay, sure. True. Very true. Uh, credit card bills uh, are missing for the month of July. And so Ben reveals that he got a copy. And on July 18th, Cal bought back the lighter from some other pawn shop somewhere else. So then this was my other thing. Like, why was the lighter important to Tony? Like, it, I, I mean, I guess I understand it's antique, but couldn't you pawn some other stuff if you needed to pawn stuff that might be worth more than, because what did they say? The, the, the lighter's worth like a couple grand. That was it. 1500 1500 so i didn't understand that i just really didn't get it dude you say that's it but again you're talking about a society where three dollars was the minimum wage uh, 
True. Very true. Well, this leads Tony to have a little bit of a breakdown, and he admits to everything, and that's the end of the show. And I wrote down this final comment. How devastating would this have been to to, to Bonnie? I really would like to know. I would have liked to have had a follow-up, you know, like maybe one more scene where they put, you know, one year later. I think that following up on her tragedy would have would have been co- kind of cool and something a little bit different. A lot of these shows don't do that. Like Law and Order will just end and leave you to speculate what happened i can't wait to talk about my thoughts on this episode okay well do you have any other notes real quick uh no all right then let's get to our closing statements this is the part of the podcast where john and i give our ratings on this episode five being amazing zero meaning garbage john what gavel did you give this episode i gave this two gavels two yeah. What? It was oh it was between God. two and three. I I I I I mean okay, I I liked that they showed us the killing first and then presented the case. I liked I hate that. The killing first thing. I like Really? I like to not know who it was. Okay. I thought that uh Brian Bloom did a great job of playing Tony as a total scumbag. Uh, the negatives though. I All right. The age of Bonnie and Tony. The pseudo weird incestuous vibe that they gave off there's no conrad mcmasters we just introduced him and then he's not in the episode i think it like, was meant to air before that plus there was all those unanswered questions about the motive as why does tony need money yada 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 so i'll tell you what how about this how about two and a half i'll give it two and a half i'll give it right down the middle two and a half well, folks, John and I are very different on this episode. I give this episode four and a half gavels. I absolutely what? I adored it. It was really well done. Like we get the Ben, we get the first we get the setting up of the motive and the plot. Like But you said you hated that. I said I, I don't like knowing who the killer is going into the episode, which is why it's only four and a half and not five. This episode is one of the best episodes of Matlock we've had thus far. Again, I like that they set up and they spent time with these people to kind of understand the relationships. And then the second half of the episode, we get Ben investigating. And that's another thing I really liked about the last episode in season four. And that is we're getting more investigation, more breaking down the clues and figuring it out. And um, I don't know, man, I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, kids, they want money. So this guy was money hungry. He wanted money. So the motive made sense to me. And I wasn't creeped out by the relationship. I think John just needed a little bit more sleep this morning. But uh, <laughs> fine, you know, he was sleep deprived and uh, it's okay. You say kids. That's why I was laughing. I'm like, oh, you mean kids that look like they're 37 years old? They need money? Okay. But he was 19, like in real life. So, but <laughs> nobody at home knows that. <laughs> it's the know. optics, man. It's the optics. It didn't bother me because the episode was so good. All right. I really dug it. John was wrong. Subjective, but, you know, some subjective people can be wrong. John was wrong. All right. Well, let's talk about some of our other podcasting projects that we have going on. So, Jason, talk about the Three Geeks podcast, please. We are moving to 7 p.m. on Saturdays, effective the second you watch this episode. We will be live next Saturday (laughs) at 7 p.m. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to do it. More people can enjoy the live show, and that's kind of what we're going for. Um, well, let me tell you about the PVD Cast. It's my own personal podcasting project. It's available at pvdcast.com or through all of those major podcasting outlets. 
uh, Jason and myself, and of course our partner, Justin, uh, we have a great project that folks, we need your help. We need to get this up and going. We're, we're, we're trying, we're trying everything we can to get folks to check out our Patreon project with Larry Hankin called the Larry Hankin stories. A lot of cool stuff, man. If you, if you ever seen escape from Alcatraz or home alone or breaking bad or friends or planes, trains and automobiles, or even an episode of Matlock, then you've seen Larry Hankin, and he's got some great stories about his career and his life. Tears from all different levels, 5, 10, 15, 20. Check it out. Just go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Larry Hankin. Check it out. Look, even if you check out the free stuff and you're like, I don't know if this is for me, but I know my buddy Harold, Harold would love this. Let Harold know. Help spread the word. We got to get this going as uh, we're very excited for it. We think it's a great project. We wouldn't sit here every couple of weeks and shill it here on Matt Talk if we didn't believe in the project. So again, patreon.com slash Larry Hankin. John, you've said it all. I know. All okay. right, with that being said, then, shall we get on out of here, man? We shall. Everybody have a great day. All right, with that, as they say in court, nothing further. following is a joint production of the three geek podcast and john orlando enterprises llc copyright 2023